Father, we thank you that you are a good God, and Lord, that you do uh, comfort us, that you do not ever leave us nor forsake us, and that, Lord, you do uh, catalog our tears, and, Lord, you do uh, remember our uh, heartaches and pains, and, Lord, that uh, they are not uh, forgotten, but merely put in their proper perspective. Lord, I thank you that as we study this chapter that you would open our uh, ears, give us ears to hear, give us hearts of flesh, not hearts of stone, and uh, allow us to uh, understand what you would have to say to us in this uh, message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we have uh, two more chapters until we're done with this book. Uh, The chapter that I'll be discussing today, then the one that Thomas will be discussing, Thomas Shields will be discussing next week. The very easy topic of does God have feelings? Simple topic. Y'all won't be here that long, about five minutes. Uh, I think of the two. I have the the harder one, honestly. You know, so. uh, um, So let's go ahead and study this extremely hard chapter called A Museum of Tears. Um, As I was preparing for this lesson, I really enjoyed this, this chapter because It focuses on an aspect of heaven that I've never really thought about before. Um, And, uh, well, thought about it, but not really in great detail. So maybe you've thought about it, but if you have, maybe you'll be encouraged. If you haven't, maybe you'll be encouraged. Either way, I hope that as we study this chapter, we'll all be encouraged um, by what what our um, Heavenly Father wants to show us in in this chapter. But... Before we get started, I just want to do a quick review about where we've been up until this point. Um, and the reasons I think we should do this are twofold. One, because I just think it's better if we're all on the same page. And the second reason is that this chapter is only four pages long, and I need filler to, <laughs> to get it up to an acceptable length. Because if I'm under a certain time limit, the session won't let me teach it again. They'll take away my teaching card. So. You know, bear with me as I try to fill up this four-page chapter, you know, into a 20-minute discussion. So let's review. Um, We've learned in this book that emotions are a gift from God to allow us to connect with God and to one another. And when we get emotional about something, uh, we are communicating to God, the world, and ourselves what we value. Because we are sinners, however, we tend to vacillate between either spitting out our emotions in a torrent or shutting up and not saying anything at all. But what we should be doing is bringing our emotions, engaging our emotions, and bringing them to the Father and letting Him deal with our emotions. And when we bring our emotions to God, we grow in our knowledge of Him. And as we are engaging with people who are emotional, we grow in our knowledge of others. So emotions are not a bad thing, but it gives from God. So before we go on, does, it, does anyone have anything they want to add to that? Anything they think is something I've forgotten as far as what we've learned uh, up until this point in, in this book? Good. Then we'll continue. Then we'll continue. But the question that we have to ask is what is the end game? So how does this book help to prepare us for an eternity with God? Because we must remember that um, our goal as Christians is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Okay? And we will spend an eternity with Christ when we die. 
So while this book is good for teaching us what to do with our emotions in this life, what about the next life? Will emotions exist? Um, how does how does how do emotions look when we all are with our heavenly Father? What um, what do our emotions mean in heaven? So the purpose of this chapter um, is to discuss all those things, and of course we uh, we've already said the title: uh, A Museum of Tears. We're going to start with reading Isaiah 65, uh, 19 through 25. And uh, I'll give you a few minutes to find it if you, if, if you want to follow along. I should, have to, I should have told y'all, but I was so worried about getting my mic because I want to I wanna have my moment in the sun with my mic on. So. Um, Isaiah uh, 65, 19-25 I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the, weeping, the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old, and shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit, but shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So, right here in the scripture, Basically, what we have is uh, a description of a perfect land where pain and heartache are done away with, and we live in peace and in eternal fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Um, but what does a museum have to do with this description of Scripture? And are we talking about, who here has seen the movie Men in Black or know what I'm talking about? All right. So are we talking about a Men in Black mind wipe? in heaven, where we just don't ever, we forget everything in our past and think only of what is in the now. Or are we talking about like a matrix type situation where we, where we are being force-fed this false reality by our Heavenly Father? So what exactly is going on here? So that's what we're going to, to talk about. But what comes to mind when I say the word museum? What? Artifacts. Artifacts, yeah. Things from the past, right? Right? Artifacts, things from the past, yeah. Anybody else? Things that are worth remembering. Very good, yeah. Um, a, a collection. A collection, very good. Very good. So, right, th those are all good things. Artifacts, um, things you want to remember, those are all great. And museums are used to tell us stories about things that happened in the past, things that are worth remembering. And they do this by taking events and stringing them together 
And then when you, when you read these, you know, we can understand World War II. When we walk through a World War II museum, we can understand World War II in a way that the people who were going through it at the time didn't understand it. See, we have the benefit of walking through a museum and understanding a person's life with the benefit of people having studied it and, you know, um, and told us how it, how it plays out. So, um, you know, you, what seemed like an isolated event is put in a broader context, and we can see that event for what it is. And so, and y'all don't have to turn here, but Psalm 56, 8 tells us that, uh, this is, um, Psalm 56, 8 says, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle, are they not in your book? So, God, um, in, this, in this chapter, God tells us that he keeps our tears in a bottle. Now, that sounds to me like he takes our tears, puts them somewhere as an artifact, as something worth remembering. Okay? He doesn't take our tears and erase them, but he puts them in a bottle to remember them. Okay? So it goes, feeds back into the whole idea of what a museum is. It's a place where you see artifacts, and those artifacts are strung together to tell a story. So let's unpack this idea of the museum and how it relates to our emotions and what our emotional life would be like in heaven and figure out where our sins and our pain fit in, you know, um, into the situation. So is there anybody who wants to, wants to say anything? Anything they want to add? Criticisms of this chapter of me in general, I'll take. <laughs> Thomas, you want to say something? Right. 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 Yeah, and th and, and, that, and that and that really is an an excellent point. You know, we you're not responsible for maintaining the museum. You can go in. And you can observe everything in the museum, but you know when Mark goes to a museum, he's not responsible for cleaning it. When he, you know, he's not responsible for maintaining the artifacts. That's all done by someone else. But Thomas is absolutely right. You can go and and you can see, but the weight of that is taken off. And that, and the, I think that actually plays in, and we'll get into that later. But that actually plays into what the chapter is telling us about what it means by a museum of tears. Um, but in a previous class, we went through a book called Practicing Thankfulness. And in that book, we learned that uh, we can give thanks for the good that God can bring out of a situation, but not be okay with the situation itself. Okay? And this is because the event itself is clouded by, surrounded by, and drenched in sin. And we have experienced pain and loss as a result of this event and our sinful minds and emotions are affected by this event we are of course still sinners we live in a world of sin 
And while we have ultimate, we know as Christians that we have ultimate victory over sin in Christ, we still experience the ravages of sin. And there's no greater example of this than death. Uh, we all know someone in this room who has passed away. And even though we know that they're probably believers, and we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, we still have to deal with the holidays that they're not there, the empty seats at the table, the empty beds. See, all these are all reminders of the sinful world and um, the, the reality of death. And as Christians, we also know that we have a greater hope. So we don't look forward to a, a, a world of pure nothingness. We look forward to a restoration of creation, a restoration of our bodies. Our bodies are still ravaged by sin, and we long, as does creation, the Bible says that creation groans as, it, as in, 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 in labor pains as it waits for the redemption that, that it knows is coming. So uh, we, we long for the redemption of our bodies. Um, and, you know, if Christ was resurrected, so shall we be. We, and in our resurrected bodies, we will see God with our eyes and in our bodies, free of sin and able to commune with God in a way that we can't imagine now. So, you know, again, we are looking for and looking forward to a complete and total restoration. Everything made the way it was in the Garden of Eden. You know, and um, so, and we also have to remember that in this glorification, Christ still bears, you know, the scars in his body. And those scars are not, they're not a painful thing. Those scars are a symbol of his glory. Look, you know, he glories in, in the scars. He doesn't hide them. Yeah. So let's kind of try to bring it all together here. When we talk about heaven, what we're talking about is not the complete annihilation of all bodies, emotions, and thought. Again, we, um, we will see a redeemed creation. We will see God with our eyes. God did not, our bodies are good things. This creation is a good thing. It's marred by sin, but it is still a good thing. And we will have new bodies and new creations and everything will be redeemed. So does that remain true for emotions and experiences? And the answer to that is yes. Um, and this goes back to what, to what Thomas said earlier. In, in heaven, our bodies will be totally redeemed from sin. The creation will be redone. And the lion will lay down with the lamb. Right? Now, if our emotions are from God, as is our bodies, as is this creation, they will not be annihilated, but redeemed. Okay? So, go back to what Thomas said and what the scripture says in Psalm 56, 8. God keeps our tears in a bottle. 
and he puts that bottle on a shelf in a museum. And he, um, they're not annihilated, but they're put in perspective. Um, every vestige of sin will be wiped out, and we will see every single event in a new light. Now, so we, but can we comprehend that now? I mean, think about that. Looking at an event that is so painful and feeling no pain, and not because your mind has been wiped, but because our Heavenly Father took that pain for us. So it goes back to what Thomas said earlier. You'll be able to go in in heaven and look at every painful event in your life, every event that caused you pain, and there won't be any pain. You will be able to be thankful for the event itself because the event is stripped of all sin and pain, right? And this is totally incomprehensible to us because we still live mired in sin. We are surrounded daily with the loss that sin brings us. You know. Again, we all have uh, people who are no longer in our lives for a variety of reasons. Um, we have those continual reminders, and we have no idea what it's like to live completely free of sin. But that's what this will be. Completely free of sin. Our tears in a bottle. We don't bear the responsibility for those anymore. Our Heavenly Father took that. Um, so again, we are able to be thankful for the event as well as what the event produces. So um, does anybody have anything they want to add to that? I mean, I, I just want to say that when I really understood that, that's what I said when I said earlier. I've never really thought of that before. Um, but I mean, does anybody have anything that they want to add to that? Well, you, you remember the event, you remember the past life, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's all of about glory and thank God because right. you're out of that. Right. And you will lose you from the right. mundane events from the past life. Right. It, it's sad. You mentioned a minute ago about Jesus' scars. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think we're going to get to see it. No. We're going to be there. No. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a extra number. Right. But we have nothing to do with it. It's all right. Life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the the all the pain uh, is stripped, you know, from the from the scars, and we only, re you know, we only remember their glory, you know. So we will only remember, we will only remember the glory, and be you know, and other situations, not the sin. What are you thinking, Josh? I, I, I can smell that brain tissue burning in your head. I'm just thinking about if God used his transcendent power, then I think that's how infinite power we can be and endless technical technology. And yet, not every day is really the history of the world. God Right. Mm -hmm. We're seeing it from our side.
Right. Right. But the same actions for are, are really giving of his side. Right. By his sacrifice, by the finding of the other sheep. Right. Is how he receives all the things. Right. Even the sins. Yep. And he's used the sin in his case to create this kingdom peace that we can't even imagine. Right. The sin in our own hearts. Right. Um, but we will be able to truly make him king. Right. Not that we'll never let the land make it. Right. Right. And glorify God because of his ability to do truly this beautiful thing. Right. Again, not forgetting the pain that we right. ourselves, but being more overwhelmed by his right. glory and the beauty of this thing than our remembrance of the right. Right. Yeah. I mean, um something you know a lot of times as Christians, you know, um, we hear that God works in spite of our situation, as if our situation was something that God kind of had, oh, oh, no, no, you know, and then he somehow worked out a plan B to whatever it was that was in the situation. But, you know, God works because of what you're going through. So whatever, whatever you're going through at the time, that's not an afterthought to God. He, he decreed that you would be right where you are right now. He decreed that. And the will of God is being done because you are walking through this situation, you know. But we can't see that, you know, because we are, like you said, mired in sin. But when we get to heaven, we'll be able to see it from that other perspective. Not omnisciently, of course, because we'll never be God. But, um, you know, like Josh said, we will be able to see the other side of, of that equation. And, you know, this is because the pain that we experience has been absorbed by Christ. You know, and, you know, the question that I was, as I was reading this chapter, and I had never really thought of before, but how far does redemption go? You know, like for me, I always, I always kind of stopped at our bodies and just, oh, that's great, you know, heaven and earth and our bodies. And I, I never really took it any further than that. But does redemption extend even to our most painful events are even those redeemed the answer is yes because if christ absorbed the wrath of god and atoned for our sins on calvary and we will have a complete reversal of sin then it only makes sense that our pain is redeemed as well everything we are talking about a total and complete redemption you know and like josh said we'll be able to see these these events that God has kept up with over the years in in your life um, you know God will has them he has them on a shelf somewhere and he'll take you through and he'll say let's walk through your life and you know you remember that time when you were you know when you were crying on your bed because you wondered where I was you know that awful thing that happened to you and you wondered where I was we're here let me go show you that event and let me show you how I worked that out, you know. And you'll see that event and it won't be a pain. It'll be like, thank you, you know, thank you for that event not, and, um, not, and not just for what it brought out. So, but let's look at it another way. If hell is the complete absence of grace, which is mind-numbing to think about, if hell is the complete absence of grace, 
and sinners will experience nothing but the eternal, unremitting, continual wrath of God, then all believers will experience the complete destruction of pain. Because the reason for pain, you know, God uses the pain that we go through to make us more and more like him, it's over. Just like grace is over for the unbeliever. It's a complete, there is no reason for pain. That pain has been absorbed by Christ. So we are united with Christ in heaven, and we will look differently at events than we do now. We will see them through eyes undimmed by sin and hearts that have been unchained. Now, um, just for the sake of um, a reiteration, like Josh said, um, you know, um, we will never be God. Never. Even in our glorified bodies, even free of sin, we will never be God. So we, of course, will have an eternity to sit and learn from God, but we will never be him. Um, <laughs> well, that should be common knowledge. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, I would hope by this point we all know that we're never going to be God. <laughs> I mean, if you think you're going to be God, you're in the wrong church. That's for sure. You need to go find another church. <laughs> um, but, uh, and while, and it, it's weird to think of it as a progression, but uh, we are believers in the new covenant. And we experience closeness with God in a way that believers in the old covenant, they don't, we, like, I, I asked David this one time, and he, and he said, yeah, you're right. I said, you know, I, I cannot fathom what it must have been like to be an old covenant believer. I can't. I can't go there. You know, just like probably an old covenant believer couldn't, they couldn't fathom, you know, what it is to be a, a new covenant believer. And that's why you think, you know, it must have been amazing for Peter and the apostles who saw both sides of that, who remembered the old system and the, the, how greater the, the new covenant was. But even at that, we don't experience that closeness that Adam and Eve did. I mean, God does not come down in the cool of the evening and walk with me. You know, just does it. Yeah. That's oh, fine. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it speaks to exactly what you said. We're, we're not going to be God, but we will know that He knew about us. Right. So, in, in a sense, that we'll see the other side of the battle. Right. Right. Exactly. And, th- and, and that doesn't mean we'll fully, like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll still need God to be like, okay, come on, let's, you know, let me walk you through this, you know, and, and really teach you what I was trying to do. But you're right. I mean, we will be able to commune with God in a way that we can't now. And he'll be able to spend more time with us than we can, um, than we can ever imagine. So, you know, um, we see now only with eyes of faith. But as Patrick said, there we will see fully. So, um, so uh, to, to wrap up, uh, we've learned in, in this book that emotions are gifts from God. And, of course, we know that our bodies are temples. 
and they are mired with sin along with our emotions. But they're not going to be tossed out. They're going to be redeemed. We're not talking about a complete and total annihilation. Our emotions are gifts, and they're going to be redeemed. And um, the redemption purchased by the blood of Christ is total and applies to everything, even the most horrible periods in our lives. We cannot see the way God does, and we never will. In heaven, we will spend an eternity learning from the Lord and Master of all things with minds unhampered by sin, and we will be close to God in an even more intimate way that will allow him to narrate the story of our lives in a new and exciting way. And in that moment, we will realize the full extent of our atonement, and we will have forever to contemplate its implications. So, you know, re remember Psalm 56, 8, and look forward to the day, we all need to look forward to the day, when we will see all of our tears cataloged, indexed, and cross-referenced. And rejoice for your suffering. It's not random. God did not put you through the, a situation that you're going through right now for any other reason than he wanted to, because he knows more than you. And he's keeping up with all your tears. He's keeping up with your pain. He's cataloging it. Someone does hear your pain. And someone far greater than you cares more than you can ever fathom for you and every tear that, that you cry. So does anyone have anything uh, they want to add before we close? And I know. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, we can't, you know, we can't, our minds right now can't comprehend that because, you know, we're just so admired by sin. We, we can't go there, you know. As, I mean, you know, all, and not, I might be wrong about this, but as a, as a you can correct me if I'm wrong. And, <laughs> and you know, and, and it'll be on tape, but, you know. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, when we die, because, you know, that, that question get, gets asked a lot. How will we enjoy heaven when our loved ones are in hell? But, you know, in heaven, we won't have the same relationships that we do now. You know, like I'll look at, I'll look at my unsaved loved ones and I'll say, that's not my uncle. That's an that's a earthly relationship. You know, the Father is a, is a, I mean, God is our heavenly Father. But, you know, like if, you know, when my dad passed away, my mom is no longer a wife. She's not. She, she's a widow. That relationship is destroyed. You know, in heaven, we, we will not marry. There, there won't be those relationships. There's a sense in which I'll look at my relatives and say, yes, that was my whatever, but it'll be stripped of all its, its meaning. You know? Um... But which goes back to, you know, um, so, you know, we'll look down on, on our loved ones who are in hell. We'll say, well, there was, you know, it won't have the same meaning as it, as, as it does here. So I don't know if that's, you know. Um, well, it can't because there will be no tears. Right. So it's like it's pessimistic. Yeah. Right. 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 Or, you know, will we, will, we, will we remember, but those 
they won't have any weight for us. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So I mean, the right, and two. I mean, just to kind of you know, the point of. And I mean, this kind of goes feeds off what Lucy has said and what you're saying. You know, the point of our relationships is to grow us. You know, in a in a Christian marriage, the point of having a husband or a wife is to you know, mirror Christ. You know, the the marriage of uh, marriage is a picture of Christ and His bride. So it's a, it's it's a, it's a picture of something to come. So, you know, like, like, like um, Alexa said, in heaven, we'll have, it's like getting, having a picture of a Mustang you're saving for, and then having the Mustang. You know, it's two different things. You don't keep the picture around when you have the actual car out in the garage. <laughs> you know? So, uh, I mean, you know, it, 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 it'll be that kind of thing. You know, I have, like Alexa, I'll have Christ here with me. What do I need all these other relationships for? You know. So, but anyway. Um, oh yeah. Right. Yeah, it does. Well, you know, um, you know, our sufferings produce and make us closer to God. You know, and so we do. We, you know, we suffer and we and we, and we go through things with a purpose. You know, like you said, with a plan. We don't retreat from the world like a monk. And say, well, I'm just going to go pray in this room for 16 hours a day. No, we live in the world, and we, you know, we we live and we move and we and we have our being in a world, and we don't retreat from that world. But uh, let's pray, and then we'll um, we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you that you do catalog our tears and our pain and our heartache. And Lord, while now mired in sin, we cannot even fathom the glory that is heaven. Lord, we thank you that you're there and that you have prepared a place for us. And that Lord. By your grace, we will all see you there and that we will all be together there and we will all have our lives narrated by one who created every single event for his own purpose and his own glory. We thank you, Lord, that you would uh, be with us now as we leave this place, leave this room to go to worship. Lord, as we uh, see the sacraments administered, may you minister peace to us as we hear the word preached, may you strengthen us. Lord, I thank you and praise you that you're a good God who has given us the gift of this day. And I pray that you would give us the grace to uh, to, uh, use it wisely. In Jesus' name, amen.